Hello, everyone. Welcome to the RAS Life Sciences podcast series. My name is Aditya, and I work at RAS Life Science Consulting. To know more about us, you can visit on, us on the web at www.raslss.com. In this episode, we will be discussing the progress made in treating cancer and focusing specifically on immuno-oncology. We will divide the seg- discussion into four segments. We will start with a quick introduction to immuno-oncology as a term, the basic definition. We will then look into the history, the evolution of this concept, followed by the current situation. And finally, we'll touch briefly upon the road ahead or, or the future of immuno-oncology. With me is Zahid and Neha. They are both uh, our resident oncology experts at the consulting group. Welcome, Zahid and Neha. Thank you. We are glad to share our experience and learnings in the immuno-oncology field and hope our audiences can take away some key messages. Great. So let's let's start with you, Neha. Could you help us understand the term immuno-oncology itself? What does this term itself mean? Yes, sure. So immuno-oncology, which is also known as cancer immunotherapy, is a form of cancer treatment that uses the power of the body's own immune system to fight cancer. Our body is constantly facing foreign invaders such as bacteria and viruses. It is only our immune system that protects us from these pathogens and keeps us safe from diseases. In order to fight these pathogens, our system has to first recognize them as foreign bodies. So just imagine that there is a register of signatures that our immune system maintains corresponding to our body. Whenever it encounters a signature that does not correspond to any entry in its register, it considers it as foreign and activates the defense mechanisms. Now, normally, what happens in our body? The cells divide, they stick around for some time and then die. And this is done in a very systematic way, almost like a piece of software being executed. However, sometimes the software is corrupted and the cells don't die as originally programmed. This state of corrupted cellular machinery can be loosely termed as cancer. Now we have uh, talked about what is immunology and also what is oncology. Let's combine the two. Now this cellular misbehavior will inevitably be driven by some or the other mutation. This means that the physical signature of the miscreant cell has changed. Normally the immune system should be able to recognize these cells with foreign signatures and destroy them. However, sometimes cancer cells can adapt and evade our immune system. In such situations, tumors can develop and become a threat to our health. Now, what immuno-oncology does, it mobilizes our own immune cells or lymphocytes to recognize and eliminate cancer cells. Interesting. So it is about mobilizing our own immune cells to detect and kill cancer cells. Um, Tell us a little bit more about such therapies and how successful have they been? Yeah, so there are several types of immunotherapies that are used to treat cancers, such as checkpoint inhibitors, oncolytic viruses, enhanced T cells, and cancer vaccines. Um, Different types of immunotherapies, they work in different ways. Some immunotherapies treatments uh, help the immune system to stop or slow the growth of cancer cells. However, others help the immune system to destroy cancer cells or stop the cancer from spreading to other parts of the body. So in particular, the immune checkpoint inhibitors, for example, the PD-1s, pdl one CDLA-4, etc., have had remarkable success across multiple malignancies in the last decade. 
and these are the most well established therapeutic class of immuno oncology agents in the market now one type of immune checkpoint inhibitor works by interfering with either one of the pd1 or pdl1 proteins these proteins prevent the body's immune system from attacking cancer cells some of the approved drugs in this category are mercs ketruda bristol myosquib optivo roches decentrix astrazeneca's intensi bevencio from pfizer and liptio and jimperly now another type of immune checkpoint inhibitor seeks out and locks onto ctla4 this is a protein that normally helps keep immune system cells in check now by blocking the action of ctla4 protein the drug ipilimumab is thought to free the immune cells to detect engage and eliminate cancer cells so would it be correct to say that these drugs basically take the breaks of the immune system in which basically helps uh, the immune cells to recognize and attack cancer cells would that be a reasonable summary yes that's correct okay this is great information and also it segues nicely into our next segment which is the evolution of immune oncology as a field zahid could you give us a view of how did we arrive here from the days of chemotherapy yeah certainly uh you may be surprised to learn that immuno oncology is not a new concept the use of immunotherapy for cancer dates back to late 19th century the first systematic study of immunotherapy for the treatment of malignant tumors was conducted in 1891 by dr william coley he was an american surgeon and a cancer researcher who was who is best known for his early contributions to the study of cancer immunotherapy Dr. Cole injected streptococcal organisms into a cancer patient in order to cause erysipelas and stimulate the immune system. Dr. Cole treated almost 900 unresectable sarcoma patients with this method, and this method achieved greater than a 10% cure rate. This first vaccine was called as Cole's toxin. Despite these results, Dr. Cole's work was not widely accepted in the medical community. and the idea of using body's own immune system to fight cancer fell out of favor until the middle of 20th century the topic of immunotherapy oncology was almost completely shelved until it resurfaced in the late 1940s however its resurgence was not smooth uh now if you indulge me for a couple of minutes i have a story in 1949 an australian virologist by the name frank burney published his acquired immunological tolerance theory in which he asserted that self identifying lymphocytes were destroyed in the prenatal development of the immune system therefore immunotherapy would be impossible because a person's immune system would not be able to recognize tumor cells that developed from within his or her own body or so he claimed during the 1950s researchers conducted animal experiments in which a tumor was induced in a mice and this induced tumor was subsequently removed and the mice was allowed to recover the tumor cells were extracted and injected back into the mice the astounding result at least at that time was that the mice rejected the injection of these tumor cells so this observation led to the idea that tumors have tumor associated antigens that the immune system could potentially recognize during 1960s frank burney did an about turn to his own theory and developed a new theory which was called as immunosurveillance theory so in this theory he proposed that lymphocytes function to search tissues 
for malignant cells through the identification of tumor associated antigens bernays theory combined with 50s tumor associated antigens experiment spurred a search to identify targetable tumor associated antigens however the interest in immunotherapy's role in oncology treatment was short lived due to the lack of success in finding viable tumor associated antigens mr bernays immunosurveillance hypothesis was rejected in favor of his original acquired immunological tolerance theory so very interesting <clears throat> so in the 1890s dr coley demonstrated a use case of immune oncology in sarcoma but the medical community did not take it any further fast forward 40 50 years in, from there on and tumor associated antigen and immunosurveillance as a concepts were introduced but experimental validation was not forthcoming and yet again uh, they were let they, they met with rejection so what was it that tipped the scale in favor of immunotherapy in oncology well uh, by 1980s researchers became cautiously optimistic about the immune system's ability to detect these tumor associated antigens once again immunologists started a search for antibodies that would bind to tumors it was in 1982 dr james allison discovered the t cell antigen receptor which finally laid the groundwork for further identification of how t cells work and how to use them so after decades of debate about the use of immunotherapy in oncology this discovery of the t cell antigen receptor tipped the scale in favor of immunotherapy and immunotherapeutics soon entered into mainstream pharmaceutical research lovely so tell us a little bit more about some of the early successes or the early successful immunotherapies that hit the market and and while you're doing that maybe you could also comment a little bit about the more recently immune approved immunotherapeutics okay so let's start with 80s uh, as the debate uh, somehow settled in 1980s the development of anti tumor cytokines for multiple cancers gathered pace uh, so it was in 1986 when us fda approved the first anti tumor cytokine known as intron a which is this this therapy was approved for hairy cell leukemia in 1990s the us fda approved a new type of immunotherapy when it approved the use of bcg for different stages of bladder cancer so it was an intravascular bacillus calamitoidogen bcg in 1998 a second anti tumor cytokine medicine based on interleukin 2 was approved which was known as proleukin so this was approved for metastatic melanoma and renal cell carcinoma and most recently the first checkpoint inhibitor ipilimumab which is brand name is gerval from bms was approved in 2011 by fda for metastatic melanoma so since 2012 multiple immune checkpoint inhibitors have been approved such as ketuda obivo desentric vivencio uh, liptio gemperly etc across a range of tumors and treatment settings so it looks like um, from the <clears throat> few and far between examples of approved immunotherapeutics since the 80s the field of immuno oncology went through an inflection point in 2012 and when we look compare the number of approvals that happened in the last 10 years it seems almost exponential as compared to the 30 years prior to that how beneficial would you say that these immunotherapies the recently one recently approved ones have been as compared to let's say the conventional 
anti-cancer pharmaceuticals such as chemo. Um, yeah, so since the development of the first cancer immunotherapy that was back in 1890, the polystoxin that achieved a greater than 10% cure rate, the current immuno-oncology therapies have come a long way with significant improvements in survival rates for many tumor types. So we now have immunotherapies that have demonstrated long-term survival benefits in a range of cancers such as renal cell carcinoma, melanoma, non-small cell lung cancer and many more cancer types either as standalone treatments or in combination with either chemotherapy or other immuno-oncology agents. So we can take an example of non-small cell lung cancer. The average five-year survival rate in metastatic non-small cell lung cancer used to be 5.5%, which means that out of 100 non-small cell lung cancer patients, only five will survive for five years, 95 will not. Now, the, the use of immunotherapies have increased the five-year survival rate from 15% to close to 30%. This shift represents a gain of 300 to 600% in life expectancy for non-sponsored lung cancer patients. So we can take another example um, of melanoma, where immuno-oncology agents have been a game changer. 20 years ago, the average life expectancy for a patient with advanced disease was six to seven months. However, the use of immuno-oncology agents have shown a significant improvement in survival rates. For example, a combination regimen of nivolumab and ipilimumab has shown a 52% survival rate at five years. This means one out of two cancer patients will survive for more than five years compared to one out of 100 a few years ago. That is indeed impressive. Having said that, just to be a devil's advocate, do all cancer patients benefit from the immunotherapies or is it that some type or some patients respond better than others? Uh, well, uh, not all patients respond equally well to immunotherapies. Uh, some patients experience a transformative cure and some don't respond at all. So to, to further understand this variance, uh, we need to first understand the concept of cold and hot tumors. Hot tumors are composed of those cells that are marked by high levels of surface antigens, high number of mutations, and high number of infiltrating T cells. And the cancers considered to be immunologically hot are bladder cancer, head and neck, kidney, melanoma, and non-small cell lung cancer. So in immunologically hot cancers, the T cells are exhausted and they lose their function by constant exposure to tumor antigens and signaling through checkpoint receptors. Blocking the checkpoint signaling with the use of checkpoint inhibitors helps in restoring the function of T-cells, that is to infiltrate and kill the tumor cells. And this theory has been validated in multiple immunotherapy trials. So moving on to cold tumors. In contrast to hot tumors, cold tumors are characterized by the absence of surface antigens and relatively low number of mutations. The immune response in these tumors is not working as it is supposed to due to n number of reasons such as the presence of T-regulatory cells or myeloid-derived suppressor cells. So basically, these cells essentially deactivate the T-cells and prevent their attack on the tumors. So uh, the examples that are, the cancers that are classically immunologically cold include glioblastomas, as well as ovarian, prostate, pancreatic, and most of the breast cancer. The absence of T-cells makes it difficult to provoke an immune response with the immunotherapy drugs, which in turn makes them difficult to treat with immunotherapy. Interesting. So, in short, not all cancers are the same. There are some cancers whose 
cells will excite the immune system and elicit a response. We call them heart. And then there are other tumor types in which the cancer cells will tend to dampen the immune system and we will call them cold. So the hot cancers are generally found in lung, head and neck, whereas cancers of the ovaries, prostate, breast, etc. tend to be cold. Would that be a fair summary? Yes. Okay. So, so we've covered the history. We have also covered some of the benefits. Um, what is happening in the um, in the current research as far as immunotherapeutics or immuno-oncology is concerned? Uh, an, an enormous effort is being expanded to understand the safety and efficacy of these cancer immunotherapies. So, uh, just to put the progress in perspective, in 2017, uh, we had approximately 2,000 new immunotherapeutics being studied across different tumor types. Of forward to 2020, the number of new pharmacological entities has more than doubled to nearly 5,000. Approximately 5,000 active clinical trials are currently registered for PD-1 or PD-L1 agents, either as monotherapies or in combination with other anti-tumor strategies. Between 2017 and 2020, there has been more than 2x increase in the number of clinical trials for most of the well-known immunology agents. And at the same time, there has been almost 10 times explosion in the number of clinical trials for not so well-known immunology agents. So this increase in clinical trial count represents an equally large proportion of public and private money being spent on clinical research. The combination studies have also picked up exponentially, I would say. In 2017, about 70% of the immuno-oncology trials were combination studies. And by 2020, combinations of immuno-oncology immuno agents with other anti-cancer therapies has accounted for almost 80% of the clinical trials. Yeah, so this tells us something. A large body of evidence is being generated for combining multiple strategies, for example, immuno-oncology agents are being tested in combination with other immunomodulatory agents such as LAG3, TIM3 to treat different types of cancers. So does that mean something? I, so just doing a crystal ball gazing, do you think that immunotherapies will potentially replace conventional anti-cancer treatments like chemotherapy? Yes, it looks like that. So looking at the recent clinical successes, immuno-oncology agents have been approved both as standalone and in combination with other treatments. So in bladder cancer, melanoma, and certain types of lung cancer, immuno-oncology therapies have received FDA approval as first-line treatment, uh, which is replacing the chemotherapy. At the same time, there have been several approvals of immuno-oncology agents combined with other oncolytics such as chemotherapy, where the combination has delivered better results than either anti-cancer strategy alone. Wow. Uh, well, thank you both for the wonderful journey into the state of the art in immuno-oncology. And I'm pretty sure that uh, our future episodes will contain even more interesting topics around oncology. For viewers and listeners, please remember to subscribe to our channel on YouTube and Apple Podcasts for a regular series of discussions. The links will be given in the description below. From the Rats Life Science Consulting, till next time, thank you very much. Bye.